It's really good to be together at the start of the summer season. Um, as you can see, we are set out a little differently today, um, and it will be one of our zone-style services. Obviously, you're free to join in to the extent and in the way that is comfortable for you. Nobody's going to make you do anything you don't want to do. Uh, but if you would like to do something that's a bit different, then please take the opportunity. We're going to begin by singing together the hymn, first hymn on the sheet, which is also on the screen. And I have checked, it's possible just about to see the screen from anywhere. Um, Great God, your love has called us here. And if you're able and if you would like to, then let's stand as we sing.
And so let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray together. God, who is love, and whose love has called, lured and carried us here, we worship you. We worship you in whom all creation has its origin. You looked at all there was and deemed it very good. You who blessed it and released it to fulfil its potential. God, who is love and whose love is revealed to us in the incarnate Christ, we thank you for your sacrificial love expressed in the cross of Calvary. You took all that was and deemed it worthy of redemption. You forgave it and restored it to its full potential. God, who is love, and whose love embraces and infuses through your spirit, we thank you that you work in and through people like us. You look on all that is still broken still fundamentally good and you equip us to work for you as we fulfil our potential. God who is love maker, healer, upholder as we meet together in this place feed us with that love so that we may do the same for others. We make our prayer in the name of Jesus who offered a pattern for his followers, praying in our own first languages as we say together, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day bread together this morning and I had to look quite hard to find the recipe. It's actually five years all but since we last made bread together in church and that was a bit of a shock because when I went to look for it um, I had to look in an old edition of the key that thankfully I still have my bit on the computer and it was just about um, a month after Max's dedication So where did those five years go, Elaine? Because I find it really scary. I don't know about you. So yeah, the last time we made bread together, Max was a tiny baby. Merida hadn't even been thought about. Amazing how time flies. So I wonder maybe if Max and Merida and anybody else who, you know, is feeling a bit sort of um, that way inclined would like to come and help me. You made a cake. Well, that's brilliant. Wow. 
Well, we're going to make some bread now, if that's okay. I'll just clean my hands, because I don't think anybody wants my mucky hands in their, their bread. So, I've got a bowl, and the first thing we need is 250 grams of flour. So I think maybe your mum can help with the, the numbers. So I'll start putting... Is that enough? No. No? Is that enough? No. Is that enough? Two, two, three, two. Oh, a bit more. Oh, oh two, is that a bit much? Two, 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 two. <laughs> two four, nine. We'll just do this as if we're um, making a prescription or something. Hey, there we go, chemistry experiment. Bang on, 250. Wouldn't normally bother, to be fair, but um, with my glamorous assistance, I think need to get that right. Okay, now then, Max and Merida, would you each like to put one of these little spoons of this, which is yeast, yeast into my flour? This is the bit that makes it puff up. So if you could each put one of these little spoons in. So do you want to put yours in? Can you manage? That's it, you put that in. Fantastic. And Merida, would you like to put one in for me as well? Let me just get that down a bit. So you can, do you want to hold it and pour it in there for me? Fantastic. Good, good. Thank you. So that will help. That will help me destroy the place. That will help the med, the med to rise? No, 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 no. The bread to rise. It's going to be one of those mornings, isn't it? Okay, so we need some of this next, Max. Can, what, do you know what that is? Salt. salt, yeah, and we need just one little spoon of salt. So who would like to put the one little spoon of salt in? You're going to put the one little spoon of salt. So in a minute, Merida, you can do the oil for me, okay? Oops, a daisy. There we go. Can you pop that in there? Fantastic. And we need a big spoon of oil, Merida. So can you do a big spoon of oil for me, yeah? was worth the wait, wasn't it? Sometimes the good things come to those that wait. Sometimes they don't, but... Whoops. There we go. I'm just going to bring that so that Merida can do it. That's it. Can you pour that in there for me? Fantastic. Brilliant. Now, there's one more thing that we need, and this is a special secret ingredient, and we're being very European today because it's San Pellegrino fizzy water, not Scottish fizzy water. So we need some fizzy water, and we need... Yes, thank you. Okay. Good team effort here. You managed it. So we need 125 millilitres. So can you see where the 100 is on there? Can you see the one naught naught sign on there? So it does go halfway between that and the next line. So you've got to tell me when it's enough because I can't see. Is that enough? A bit more? Excellent. Right, so this is a good bit because this is where we get to do some stirring. Do you want to pour a little bit in for me, Max? Yeah. That's it. You pour some in and I'll stir. See, they're all missing out over there, aren't they? That's great. How about Mary to have a go and let Mary do a bit? Do you want to pop some? We can... Yeah, absolutely. You do the stirring and Mary to do the pouring. That's a brilliant idea. Be better than me. Is it a bit stiff? Uh, let's do it. Keep trying. See if you can get that. See if it works now. 
That's lovely. It's quite a task, isn't it? So bread needs all these different things to make it. Is it a bit sticky to it? I've got to try and work that into the sermon now, haven't I? But it's a bit sticky making. uh, I think that maybe needs a bit more water. It's one of those things, it tells you how much water you need and sometimes you need a bit more. I don't know why. So let's just put a little splash more in. See if that'll do it. So there we go, that's better. Now in a minute I'm going to have to start kneading that. So I need to put it onto this board. So Max, do you think you can put some flour on the board for me so it doesn't stick too much when I start kneading it? Yes, please, just a little bit. Don't worry if it's a bit much, because it's, it's okay. Oh, come on, come out, flour. There we go. That's lovely. And I've got to turn it out, and this is when it gets really messy, which is why I gave my zapper to somebody else. Because this is the bread that we're going to use later on in the service for our communion. And a friend of mine, or sort of friend, I haven't seen her for a long, long time, lady I know in Liverpool... And she goes to a church where actually what they do all the time in the week is they make bread together. And they have all sorts of chats around the bread making. And then they share bread and soup together. And she wrote the song that we're going to sing, um, which will appear on the screen in a minute. And um, I think you'll know the tune if you don't know the words. And I suggest we stay sat down as we sing it. Thank you, Anne. those implicit characters in the Bible, never mentioned 
but still there. You probably know about my son, though he doesn't get mentioned by name, but he's there all right. And I just want to tell you a little bit about us as a family and about our story and a very special day in our lives. We're we're just a normal family, not especially holy. I mean, if the sun's shining on the Sabbath, we might bunk off synagogue, especially if it's a boring rabbi that we know is on that week. And sometimes I do get a bit cross with my son. I shout at him. I regret it afterwards, but, you know, sometimes he pushes me a bit close to the limit. And sometimes I shout at my husband, too. Anyway, we heard that this rabbi called Jesus was in the vicinity. We'd heard a lot about him. He seemed to like people like us, ordinary people, not proud, not educated, not rich, just people who got on with their lives. People who wondered what was going on in the world and tried to make sense of it. So I got up really early the day that he was coming and I make some bread. You have to get up early to make bread, to mix it, to prove it, to bake it. And my husband gave me some of the fish he'd caught the night before. Still a bit pongy, but, you know, I gutted them and put them on the coals, and it was great. Woke up my boy, packed up the picnic, and off we set. And there were loads of people that we met on the way. Couldn't believe how many people were there. Up onto this hillside, it was a lovely day, the grass was green. And blow me if we didn't wind up near the front where we could actually see him. His eyes. Eyes that were so full of love one minute that you just felt, wow, I really matter. And then the next minute he'd say something that you kind of knew was to you and your heart. And it wasn't that he didn't still love you, but those eyes pierced you right to the core. And such stories, stories about women making bread, would you believe? Stories about sheep that got lost, about wayward children welcomed back home. Stories about camels going through needles' eyes. I think that one was probably a joke. All kinds of stories. And the time just whizzed by. And suddenly he stopped talking and he turned to one of his mates and he said, Well, come on, it's tea time. Give him some tea. I have to admit, I felt a bit sorry for him. I mean, for goodness sake, we're up a hill, it's evening. The shops have shut, even if there were any shops on a hill, which clearly there aren't. And no way you could bake or buy or borrow anything. It was impossible. And then my boy, he just went up to the man. Excuse me, mister. Here's my picnic. Well, I'd packed a decent picnic for myself and my boy. Five loaves and two fishes. We could have shared that a bit, but come on. This wasn't going to go very far, was it? But Jesus looked at him. 
And he smiled a smile that I will never forget. And he took that picnic and he prayed. And he gave it back to us and said, have some and pass it on. And so we did. And, and I looked around and all I could see was people laughing and smiling and sharing food together. I don't know how it happened. I don't know whether it was a miracle, as in God suddenly making more bread, or whether people just suddenly remembered what generosity was and shared the picnics that they too had brought with others who had none. I'm not really bothered. It happened. It happened and it changed me for good because it reminded me of the power of generosity. And it reminded me of the ability of children to think beyond what seems sensible and rational and reasonable and still dream and still say, take what I have and use it. And so now when I get up and make bread for our family, I find myself remembering that day And I remember Jesus. And I remember being part of 5,000 people, probably more, who ate their full and still had more left over to share. We're going to move on now to explore in our own ways, this story and another story from the Bible. Um, If you're feeling really creative, Emma has some bread clay, I think that's what it's called, up on the mezzanine. It's not just for children, it's for anybody who feels a bit creative. If you would like to colour or do quizzes or puzzles, the mezzanine is your place to go. If you have small people who need to let off some steam, the uh, memorial room is there for you to go to. that is self-supervised, I'm afraid, at the moment. We've got nobody actually doing a crash thing. And if you want to stay and listen to me talk, and I promise not to be too boring, then stay where you are. But we'll have some music as we move to our zones. Thank you. The reading is from John, chapter 6, verses 35 to 51, and verse 60. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and anyone who comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. 
This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? That's what Jesus' followers said 2,000 years ago. I suspect it's what we do here and now. What does it mean when Jesus says, I am the bread of life? And if we find a working answer to that, then what does it mean for our lives in a local and global context that is bewildering, disturbing and endlessly changing, challenging. Any reflection on the I am sayings of Jesus is difficult. As soon as we venture into the realm of metaphor, we discover just how slippery language is and how incomplete our ability to make meaning from it. 
it will be no accident that the account of feeding of the multitude is located by John just before this claim by Jesus. He arranges his material meticulously to make connections. And if we were to focus on the vocabulary that the writer uses, so I discovered when I looked at the commentaries this week, it would soon become very clear both that parallels are being drawn with the Exodus narrative and that Jesus is using a metaphor of his own time used within Judaism to call the law the bread of life. I didn't actually know that. I probably should have done, but I didn't know it until I read it this week. So if the law was the bread of life that sustained Judaism, then Jesus' claim that he was the bread of life saw him supplant the law as the means of sustaining a new world order in the kingdom of God's shalom. Now, that would have been pretty difficult to accept if you were a devout law-following Jew in those days, even if you could understand it. And I guess for us in the 21st century, in a very different context, it is just as difficult, if not more so. So rightly or wrongly, I'm not going to try to unpack this passage of scripture. I'm actually going to share some thoughts that came to me as I started to play with the metaphor of bread and as other ideas and scriptures came into my mind along the way. And hopefully, somewhere in all of that, we'll find something worth chewing on. When I first began to think about this service, my plan was to reflect on the idea of bread as one of the staples of a balanced diet. The idea that we need a good basis of carbohydrates as fuel for our bodies and that bread or rice or potatoes or pasta are vital to our health and well-being, the fundamental source of our energy. And I reminded myself that had Jesus lived in a different geographical location or a different time, he could just as well have described himself as the jacket potato of life, or the spaghetti of life. And his hearers would have been invited to contemplate how Jesus is somehow fundamental to their lives in a way similar to the food that they eat each day. And even in his own context, and recognising that he was pinching a metaphor used for the Torah, this line of thinking would have been valid. How is Jesus fundamental to a healthy life. And then I found myself starting to think, well, actually, you know what? A diet that is just bread or just carbohydrates is incomplete. If all we ate was chips or mashed potato or boiled rice, we'd soon start to suffer from malnutrition. And I wondered what else might be part of a healthy diet alongside the bread that is Jesus. Or was that stretching the analogy too far and breaking it? Or was I overcomplicating something that was simple? Well, quite probably I was. And yet. Bread and jam? Cheese on toast? Roll and sausage? We very rarely have bread on its own in a meal, nearly always with something else. So could I, without being too heretical, see Jesus and our faith 
as something that we bring into relationship with other things that might nourish us. The visual or performing arts, literature, science, family life, even politics. I'm not sure if I can justify it simply based on the metaphor, but it makes sense, doesn't it? If we concentrate only on matters spiritual, and the only thing we ever read is the Bible and a narrow set of Christian publications, our human flourishing is diminished. And if we never read any of those, the same is true. So that was my first set of thoughts. And then was the day that I woke up to the referendum result. And I'm not going to talk a lot about it. But a new set of thoughts began to emerge in my mind. And I found myself going back to think about the ingredients that get used in making bread. And the way that yeast or leaven is used as a metaphor in the scriptures. The Apostle Paul refers to it twice in letters, in the letter to Galatia and the letter to Corinth. And he simply says, a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough. We saw that, just a teaspoonful of yeast into all that flour. We know it. Something that is small, something that gets hidden, and even in a sense is sacrificial, transforms a whole batch of dough. So the implication then is, what kind of yeast and what kind of bread? In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is recorded as using yeast as an illustration on two separate occasions. One is very positive. He compares the kingdom of God to a woman working yeast into a batch of dough. The second is not so positive. He sounds a note of caution urging his hearers to beware the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Good yeast or bad yeast? How do we tell the difference? Perhaps we could substitute the words values and attitudes. So the good yeast would be kingdom values like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, justice, truth, honesty, long-suffering, forgiveness, hope, and of course, love. That's the, the good yeast, the kingdom yeast. But then there's the bad yeast, the destructive yeast. Envy, falsehood, Hubris, bigotry, bitterness, grudge-bearing, impatience, blaming, scapegoating, apathy, distrust, xenophobia, homophobia, Islamophobia, any phobia that is linked to hate. And of course, within each one of us, within our church community, just as in the wider world, there is a potential for both to be at work simultaneously. Values or attitudes that are hidden or unchallenged, that transform the whole for good or ill in ways that can only be identified either when the dough becomes a beautiful, tasty loaf or the whole thing explodes into a horrible mess.
In a few minutes, we will be sharing bread and wine around the Lord's table. We will recall, as we always do, that Jesus took some bread and broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. Now, in my opinion, Christians have spent 2,000 years expending ludicrous amounts of energy on what is actually a metaphor. Made all kinds of complicated things to spiritualize it, deciding who can take it, who can speak about it, who can break it, whatever. Even if you're a Catholic or an Anglican, probably also in the Greek Orthodox Church, precisely which flower you can use. For goodness sake, that's not what it's about. Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Jesus, metaphorically, is the bread that gives us life. So what does it mean when we break bread together to remember? If we in some metaphorical way, are the body of Christ in this place, then how is our body to be broken, like bread, to bring life and healing, redemption and forgiveness to a disordered world? Is it enough that we see the Lord's table as a place at which we find nourishment for our souls, blessing our little community? Or is it a place where we are reminded that we are to be scattered like the fragments of bread, offering nourishment beyond these walls? In the world in which we find ourselves, this side of the EU referendum and frankly the horrendous mess that's going on down south, how can we be good yeast? What is the living bread that we can offer or that we can be to those in Scotland, in the rest of the UK, in Europe, in Syria, in Africa, in Australia, who are also screwed up with their elections at the moment? What can we do to offer hope in those places by being good yeast? What's the living bread we offer to those who hunger for righteousness, for justice, for peace, for hope, even for physical life itself? Jesus' followers said, this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? I pray God that we might. And so we sing, our hunger cries from plenty, Lord, for bread which does not turn to stone, for peace the world can never give, for truth unreached, for love unknown.
an explanation first of all. In a fine service last Sunday morning, we turned the focus on ourselves. So much of what we heard and sang had less meaning if we did not see it also as prayer for others. I see the whole of life as coming within the scope of Christian worship, and politics is no exception. So I'm turning from bread to politics. I spent much of my life encouraging pupils to broaden their perspectives, to learn about other European nations and languages. So you will realize, and maybe you share, my disappointment at the referendum result and the subsequent political chaos in which we are becoming engulfed. We realize that over the years, as Scottish and British nations, we have made a mess of our relationship with each other and with others. I shall partly use words of Michael Walker to express more adequately than I could what I see as fundamental concerns at this time. So I invite you to join with me in a confession and then a prayer for our place in the world and finally for our leaders. Let us pray. Lord, there is a kind of patriotism that is blind, a pride of race and blood that is blasphemy. From such patriotism, good Lord, deliver us. Forgive us the fear of foreigners, outsiders, strangers that makes us defensive intolerant and arrogant. Forgive us national slogans that summon us to racial isolation and away from our responsibilities within the family of mankind. Forgive us that devotion to our own cause which muffles our conscience and makes us capable of withholding justice from others. Forgive us that selfishness which robs us of magnanimity. Lord, may citizenship of our own land prepare us for citizenship within the universal community of mankind. May the wealth of our own heritage make us more appreciative of the heritage of others. May the ways in which we learn to live with our diversity and discover unity in the midst of our differences prepare us for the task of peacemaking and reconciliation in the wider world. May we bear with gladness the responsibilities of freedom and look with confidence 
to the willing cooperation of nation with nation. May we live in the knowledge that all nationalities are provisional until that day when the kingdoms of this earth become the kingdoms of our God. Finally, we commend to your divine guidance our national and political leaders, the leaders of other nations, and all who work for international organizations and structures, that they may seek to discern the way to a just and ordered world with that integrity which gives their words and actions the stamp of genuine authority. Remembering that we have delegated to them neither our conscience nor our freedom. All this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, the bread of life, our Lord and Saviour. Amen.
In a few moments, we will share bread and wine together. Just a practical point, um, we are using wheat-based bread. There is some gluten-free bread in a separate container. So if you need or prefer gluten-free bread, just take that when it comes to you. The remainder of the service will continue with no further announcements. The Apostle Paul records this. For I received from the Lord what I also handed to you, that Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
pray together. For bread and wine to nourish our bodies, we give you thanks. For story and song, for sign and simile, we give you thanks. For feeding our minds, gladdening our hearts, and refreshing our souls, we give you thanks, holy God. Amen. Let's drink together in gratitude and faith. We have remembered Christ's death. And we have celebrated Christ's resurrection. From here, we go to feed a world in need. Amen.
Lord, you have made us for your pleasure, giving us food for all our days, giving in Christ the bread eternal. Lord, watch over your church, save it from evil, guard it, perfect it in your love, unite it in accordance with your will. And, as grain once scattered on the hillsides, was in the broken bread made one, so let all lands be gathered into the kingdom of your Son. Thank you.